Welcome back to another round of Stand and Fight here on SR1 News Talk STL. Every Sunday night, you can stream us live. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever your uh, your listening pleasures can be met. Uh, but I am proud to announce, proud to announce that I have a career politician <laughs> sitting with us today. None other yes. than the guy who was elected the same time I was. So I guess that makes me a career politician as well. Senator, the senior member from St. Charles County. That's right. Senator Bill Eigel. How are you? Nick, I am great. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. It's a pleasure to be here. And I, I, I believe you know Phil. Of course. Yes. 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 Had, this had green screen behind you, I, I've taken pictures in front of that green screen. <laughs> Probably so, really good ones, too. They were excellent. Well, I don't take good pictures. I mean, pictures <laughs> no, of me are never good. Great but. pictures. <laughs> They're so great. A lot of Photoshop, but it turned out really good. He, he looks yeah. fantastic. There was a lot of work done. I had a lot of work done yeah. uh, in those pictures, but it turned out. It turned out. Well, we will uh, we'll have to look at those photos a little bit later because today we have a lot on the docket, but I want to start with Missouri. Before we go out to the Twitterverse, before we figure out... Uh, if this trade for Brittany Griner was a good one or not. Uh, you are a, a, a longtime veteran of this country. Mm-hmm. I believe you met your wife mm-hmm. in, uh, in in that service. So let's start with who's Bill Eigel. You and I were both elected 2016. Mm-hmm. We both ran in an era of guys and gals that had no political experience whatsoever. We were right. just fed up. You were a former yep. business owner. Yep. You've been there for a little bit. Um, what What is important to you? What is your... Bailiwick, so to speak, when it comes to serving the people here in the state of Missouri? Well, first of all, God, family, and country, right? Uh, those are the three big things for me. So if you look at my resume, it's a it's a combination of basically three things, and politics is the smallest piece if you go back to my professional career. The first piece we start off with is uh, I served in the United States Air Force. I was an aircraft maintenance officer. Uh, both my wife and I were aircraft maintenance officer in the Air Force, and we served for about seven and a half years. Did and you didn't know her prior to? We did. We did. I okay. actually, it's a, that's a whole, we'll have to take up a whole show <laughs> with, with that story, but uh, the short story is I married married up uh, and uh, Amanda and I got married shortly before she entered the Air Force and then we did assignments down in uh, Arizona and uh, Louisiana and our last time it was actually at Whiteman Air, Fa- Air Force Base on mm. the uh, B2 stealth bomber and so after we did that we got out and we purchased a skylight company a little construction company back and this is back in 2007 and ran a small business in for 10 years and we our office is actually located less than a block from the studio here Wow. So uh, did that for 10 years. We're very fortunate to be successful in doing that, but decided to get involved in politics in the 2014-2015 timeframe because Obamacare, if you recall, was uh, being implemented. Health insurance rates were going through the roof, and uh, Amanda and I decided, you know, we got to find a way to get involved here. And I started building out a political network, and you you were new uh, in that process just like I was, and everybody was saying, who's this Bill Eigel guy, right? Who who does he think he is coming in here, uh, running for state senate? You know, put together these coalitions, but I had a message of we were going to make St. Charles County and in some of the areas around St. Louis economically strong and prosperous, and uh, that message was successful. So I've, I've served in the in the Missouri State Senate for the past six years, and uh, you know I've gotten a lot of gray hair from it, but here we are. So that's that's kind of my background, and uh, you know I I, I don't usually uh, I'd never thought of myself as a career politician, yeah. but uh, you know we're here doing this uh, to try to make the state better, and we'll keep going until we get there. Well, I think those are those are fighting words for me. When somebody says politician, yeah, that's a dirty name. You, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Find me a people's advocate. Call me something totally different. Now, did you have any experience? Um, just thinking about this right now, did you have any experience in Skylights before you bought a company? No, and just jumped right in. No, in fact, I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> 
<laughs> makes two of us. So I'm afraid of heights. And yet every day for those first two years that oh I, I was going around selling skylights on people's homes, I was climbing onto roofs. And I remember the first <laughs> house that I went to uh, by myself to uh, look at some leaking skylights. It was actually right here in St. Charles County. And the contract that I got that day is actually actually still hangs on my wall or hangs on the wall of the, of the Skylight business. So it was uh, it was a real learning experience for me. And but, you know, owning a small business, that's the American dream yeah. right there. Uh, you know, working for yourself, uh, determining your own way. That's the American dream. And, and I got into politics because government, every time government runs into small business, it's either taking more money or telling that small business what it can't do. So uh, the, the fight is the right one. Well, I think it's speaks it speaks volumes that you jump into the military succeed at that you jump into small business had no idea what you were doing succeed at that <laughs> that's right you jump into politics and again had no idea succeed. what i was doing there either yeah yeah <laughs> neither of us did um and you've done a lot of great things let's talk about some of the bills that you've done i want to start off with what we did um in the past couple of years you and i have tag teamed yeah. a lot whether it's uh killing personal property tax haven't done that yet we're getting there the the uh, law enforcement officers bill of rights that's something that we stood up took all the arrows being called every name under the sun from the yes. left uh, but standing up for our men and women in blue we finally got that done we're going to go back at it and i'm going to segue into the second segment uh, into some of the bills that we have filed and what we're going to do this next session. But what are some of the other pieces that you've accomplished since 2017 when you swore in as a senator from St. Charles County? Well, Nick, as you know, I'm, I'm always a guy that's trying to cut taxes. And one of the biggest tax cuts that we've had in this state was the bill that I sponsored, House Bill 2540, uh, who, which uh, actually reduced the income tax rate. It was the largest single year income tax rate deduction that we've ever had in state history. And that includes the most recent special session. Yeah. Uh, which did a little, did little kind tip of a, a little tiptoe into tax cutting. Uh, that was, I was very proud of that. I actually, the house sponsor of that, believe it or not, was uh, our other incoming colleague, mm -hmm. Travis Fitzwater. So uh, he he came in and did a great job. And so uh, I think we've got some background there. But, you know, I'm about cutting taxes. Yeah. And uh, I think that we've got a lot of uh, ideas about taxes we want to cut. For the record, I've never met a tax I wasn't willing to cut that I doesn't that I don't think needs to go down. So it's been it's been a long it's difficult getting tax cuts through those super majorities of Republicans yeah. down in Jefferson City. So we've got our work cut out for us. But cutting taxes, what we did for the police officers, you know that that same bill also uh, increased penalties uh, for folks that are defacing monuments uh, and public property around the state. It set minimum requirements for the funding of the police departments mm -hmm. around the state to push back against the defunding defund the police movement. So there's a lot of good things that we've accomplished. And while at the same time, some of the other things that we've done is stop the bad things from happening, right? To stop for stop the further growth of government. And now I think, and we're going to talk about this, is we've got some growing coalitions in the Missouri Senate uh, that are going to be even better about getting to that smaller, limited government that we always talk about in campaign season. Well, let's, let's start there. So last year, in the past couple of years, you've been a an enormous leader. Um, I don't know if you all had titles in the Senate, in the Senate <laughs> Conservative Caucus, but you've been an enormous leader for uh, the conservative movement. You and Senator Bob Onder, who yep. I am replacing, mm -hmm. uh, kind of led this conservative caucus in the Missouri Senate for the past couple of years, standing up against terrible things like the gas tax that yep. the supermajority Republican Party pushed forth. Now, a lot of people, I wasn't surprised because I kind of know 
the message. I know where we're going. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people were surprised. And I think Phil even uh, questioned when I came in. He goes, whoa, dude, what's going on with this conservative caucus? Mm-hmm. Is there is it no more? Are we all part of the swamp? Tell us why the conservative caucus uh, kind of was absorbed back into the Republican Party yeah. and why you're hopeful that this is going to be a stronger session for fiscal conservatives, social conservatives, constitutional conservatives. Well, I'll tell you that, you know, the conservative caucus, the idea of the conservative caucus was never meant to be a permanent institution. There was always a point in the future where we were looking forward to that we wouldn't feel like we would need to have a separate label uh, dividing us from some of our other colleagues. And uh, as a result of some of the primaries that we saw that take place in August, we felt like this time, that time is now. I mean, uh, what gives me hope, Nick, is the fact that we've elected yourself out in St. Charles County. We've elected Jill Carter down in Joplin. We've elected Ben Brown out in Franklin County. Whereas you had uh, a smaller group of freedom fighters that was maybe seven in number mm-hmm. in previous years. I think that number is closer to half of the Republican caucus of 24. So uh, we've elected a former conservative caucus member, Cindy O'Loughlin, uh, as our new majority floor leader. So clearly the chamber is moving more in line with the GOP platform that we all swore that we were going to uphold uh, and, and fight for down in Jefferson City. So it for me, it's... Um, uh, it's it's an opportunity, right? And as we move into next session, there are a tremendous number of bills uh, that are going to cut the tax code, that are going to bring down the size of government. And, you know, the first move is going to be by our, our new pro tem, uh, Caleb Brown. You know, Caleb's going to have to decide. I've been the one out there calling for peace uh, amongst the caucus so that we could get big red things done uh, in the Missouri Senate. And we'll see. You know, the first thing he's going to do is he's going to pick all the chairmanships. Well, uh, is he going to uh, try to use that process to stifle uh, uh, the now the now almost even uh, uh, group of senators in the uh, in the in the caucus in the chamber, or is he going to try to treat everyone fairly? We're going to get those hints here, just in you know right around the corner. So we'll see. I'm optimistic. Uh, I just met with him the other day, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. So we've got a lot of work to do, and we've got a lot of things that we've been promising in our elections that we've finally got to get to. Now, what? Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of Republicans have been upset. We have a super majority Republican Party. That's right. Not just a, a regular majority. We have a super majority, so we we can't afford certain members if they need to fall off, if they're not there, if they just don't agree with us on a bill. We still have the troops to get whatever we want done passed. Right. Education reform, uh, crime, public safety reform, you name it. Tax reform. Why do you think over the past couple of years, uh, Florida, Texas, Tennessee, all of these states that have less Republican representation, <clears throat> they're surpassing us. Why do you think that is? Well, I think they have leadership at the top. I think they have vision at the top. I mean, when I when I go around to the state and I talk to folks and I ask them, uh, what's a state that you can think of that's doing those big red ideas? They always say Florida. And then yeah. I say, who's in charge of Florida? And they say, Ron DeSantis is in charge of Florida. And then my question is, why don't we have Ron DeSantis here? And, you know, when you have someone uh, at the uh, that who's leading the party, who's calling for increase of the gas tax, uh, if you have someone who's leading the party uh, at calling for dramatically increased budgets in the state, which is the growth of government, then it causes a, a massive divide amongst those super majorities, because there's a lot of folks uh, in those in those legislatures that don't want to have bigger government that don't want to raise taxes. Uh, and then, of course, there are, the, there are those that do. So what are some of the things that we can do with these grassroots groups to get them engaged, to get them to stand up? <clears throat> I've been one to say uh, I love the fact that we have a very conservative county. I love the fact that we have people that will wear their heart on their sleeve. But when they go out in public, when they go out on social media, 
they're very conservative mm-hmm. with the use of their voice. So here's the good news. <clears throat> We're seeing these gra- new grassroots groups form all over the state right now. And it's it, it's formed of folks that are unhappy with where we're at, <clears throat> that are unhappy about politics and have in many cases getting involved in the political discussion for the first time in their lives. And we are seeing more of these groups than I've ever seen as long as I've been in politics yeah. uh, for, you know, whether it's parents that are upset about the schools, whether it's business owners that are upset about the COVID restrictions, all of these groups are forming. So that's the good news is the, the energy is already there. Our challenge to help them is to bring these groups together under a single focused message because they're all over the state. And if you're in Cape Girardeau, or if you're in St. Charles or you're in Kansas City, you may have you may never have heard of somebody on the other side of the state that's actually working for the same objectives that you are. So putting together coalitions and bringing all these different groups that essentially got into politics for the same reason, which right. was there's too much government and focusing them to them on the message of this better tomorrow for the state of Missouri. Yeah, these these elections have passed, I would say, the August elections, the November elections. Mm-hmm. To me in Missouri, we saw, I think, a red wave. Mm-hmm. We saw fighters. We saw very vocal conservative leaders getting elected. We saw people that le- legitimately had no holds barred. They're coming out. They're telling you exactly what their positions are. Right. They're not the sneaky, slimy politicians like yesteryear right. had uh, the Mitt Romney's, the the uh, country club Republicans yeah. that would come by and say, oh, yeah, we're going to cut your taxes. We're going to be pro-life. Right. And then they get up there and do the bidding of uh, lobbyists. You know, and that's where I think, uh, again, we need to empower our citizens to stand up. We need to empower our candidates mm-hmm. to stand up and having this type of network. How do you plan going forward, whether it's in your future endeavor, maybe as government maybe as something else, or uh, as a leader of these activist groups, how do you plan on corralling these cats, so to speak, and getting them on the same page to fight the good fight? Our job as leaders, Nick, is to describe and articulate what that better tomorrow looks like. So think about what we're doing, you and I, right now. When we go around and we talk about, we give specific policies that we want to enact. We want to get rid of personal property tax. We're only one of 21 states that has personal property tax. Most states have gotten away from that because they know how destructive it is uh, to working in middle class, uh, in middle income class households. Why can't we be like that? So when we go around and talk to folks and say, this is what it means to be a stronger Missouri. We're giving, in, we're giving folks a glimpse of what all their efforts are leading to. When we go around and we say, uh, we want to fix our elections and we want to work on election integrity and we want to work on getting rid of some of these machines that really nobody trusts, mm-hmm. we're giving them a glimpse of what that better tomorrow of Missouri looks like. When we go around and we say we want to support our police and we're a party of, of law and order and we're going to do the things uh, differently than how they're trying to do them down in St. Louis City because we don't want to end up with the same outcomes that the city of St. Louis uh, is ending up with right now. We need them to be strong. We're giving folks a glimpse of what a better Missouri ought to be. So the more we can articulate that, the more we can put that together and and identify something for all these grassroots to truly focus on because their instincts and their beliefs are right in line with us. They want less government. They want better schools. They want more control uh, for parents. All of these things are coming together. We just have to uh, make that picture for them, and I believe they're going to follow it. I agree. He's coming out swinging, folks. That was round number one with Senator Bill Eigel. We've got a lot more Uh, Favorite books, favorite movies, start thinking about that. Round two coming up, SR1, Stand and Fight. We will be right back. Round two back here on SR1 News Talk STL. This is Nick Schroer here with Phil. Where's Eric? 
Where's Eric? He's out on assignment. <laughs> Bill's looking around the room. Where the hell is Eric? <laughs> but instead, we have this senior senator from St. Charles County, Bill Eigel. And today, Bill brought in something. I had no idea that you had this technology. Uh, you know, I was looking forward to swearing in on January 4th, standing as a senator instead of a, uh, a House member. Mm. And you've got a, uh, a glimpse into the future. Mm. I think playing before us right now okay. is a video of me starting the 2023 session, walking into the Senate. Here it is. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. All out of bubble. One of one of my favorite one of my favorite lines from any movie. It's right up there with all of the lines from Tombstone. But let's start there. Twenty twenty three session. Uh, 20, you you can see me doing that too. I, I can see you doing that. Yes. yes. Maybe it, maybe at some point. Don't wear it with overalls though. Don't wear that outfit with overalls. That that might have a whole different connotation. Now what about a denim suit? I've seen those. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, maybe we need to get Mike Moon a denim suit. Yes. So he can come back out instead of the overalls. Now, okay, are you a bow tie, bolo, or are those just off the table 100%? Because I've seen a lot of those in the House. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that. They do that in the House. I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen that in the Senate. What about the uh, seersucker suits? They look like the old man Ooh, pajamas. Man. Yeah, so that's very popular over in the Senate. Why? I've never I've never taken part in that. I, I've never really gotten into that. But yeah, you the seersucker like is a lock. Yeah, yes. the, the Matlock yes. suits. It looks yes. like your grandpa's old button-up yes. pajamas. Yes, there's a seersucker caucus. Yeah, I don't like that. In, in the uh, in the Senate. So I have not done that. Well, don't hit it too hard, though, because your predecessor did that. Well, yeah, well, Bob, Bob did that. He's a doctor. He's a- I mean, doctors can do their own thing and get away with it. They can walk around in scrubs or a lab coat. That's, That's not right. a, You've got these doctors walking around lobbying for whatever bill it is against whatever. Yep. And they're wearing their lab coats. Yep. Are you going to take this information back to the lab? Yeah, well, you like, never know. I don't know. That's always been a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> I I don't walk around in a powdered wig and a robe as an attorney. But yeah, so let's start 2023. Give us some of the bills that you have filed. Uh, what you think is going to need a little bit of work because people that are paying attention to Missouri politics, sometimes uh, it takes years to get a bill done. Right. Other times, like the heartbeat bill 2019, first mm-hmm. time that I filed it, we got it across the finish line. What are some of the bills that you are very hopeful uh, will get done this year that you have filed or that you're going to be supporting? Uh, well, the first one is something you and I are working on together is personal property taxes. Senate Bill 8. Senate Bill 8 deals with the elimination of personal property tax everywhere in the state of Missouri. In the USA. It is a giant tax cut. Senate it will represent- Bill 8. Senate Bill 8. Everybody write that down. Uh, yes, Senate Bill you. 8. I'm just, I'm just realizing the 8, the infinity sign. That's right. It's like taxes are infinite. It, it, it is. Uh, gosh, stop we, that. Let's we stop gotta that. stop that. We gotta stop that. You know, so that would slowly phase out personal property tax in every county in the state of Missouri and bring us in the line with then 30, you know, 30 other states uh, that don't have a personal property tax and punish you for the crime of owning a car every mm. single year. So that is something we have worked on for several years now. We actually got a bill to the governor's desk that would have gotten rid of personal property tax for St. Charles, but of course uh, the governor uh, vetoed that so it didn't become law. But I think now with the property assessments going up in the manner that they are. People are very upset about this issue. They want Jefferson City to take action. So that is something that, uh, you know, I think that we're going to we're going to see early on in the Ways and Means Committee over in the Senate. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Another bill that I'm working on is election integrity bill. Uh, You know, I've worked actually very closely with the grassroots to uh, put together an election integrity bill that is going to address a lot of the things that they're calling on, you know, and and one of the big, this is Senate Bill 98, Senate Bill 98. The next one. 
uh, is uh, my election integrity reform bill, and it's actually going to get rid of the machines uh, everywhere in the state. Everywhere is going to grow all the machines. Pull tabs, tabulators. It's going to remove all those because there is a very legitimate uh, concern that these machines represent a vulnerability uh, for folks that can get into our elections and uh, dishonestly change some of the outcomes. So we're going to get rid of that and vulnerability and go back to what we did for the first 200 years of our existence yep. uh, and what they still do in every modern democracy around the world. And that's count ballots. Let's just hand count some ballots. And so uh, we're going to be working on that. It's also going to get us out of some of the third party organizations known as ERIC. Yeah, uh, tell, the, us, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, uh, ERIC. So if you haven't heard of ERIC, it stands for the Election Registration and Information Coalition. No, it's not the ERIC that Donald Trump no, endorsed yeah, during the governor's Eric. race. There's okay. lots of ERICs around here. Not that ERIC. This is a third party out of state organization that, believe it or not, the state of Missouri signed up to be a member of. And as part of being a member of this ERIC organization, we have to report the private data of 4.2 million Missouri citizens, registered Missouri citizens, to this out-of-state organization. I'm talking your your driver's license number, your birth date, your social security number, your address, your Where email. does this information go? We don't know. We don't know. It goes into a database that's being tracked by this ERIC organization, and then they report to our local county clerks uh, who should be on and who should be off of our voter rolls. So we've we've literally delegated our responsibility for our voter rolls to this out-of-state organization. Come to find out, the person that signed the contract uh, to get us into this ERIC organization was our Secretary of State, Jay Ashcroft. So uh, he did so under a, uh, a vague line item in our budget back in, this was back in 2017, 2018, and uh, it's led, I think, to a lot of problems and the release of data on millions of Missourians. So I think Jay, I think that Secretary Ashcroft's got a lot of questions to answer about this. But as it as it as it stands right now, we've got to take action as a legislature to get us out of these organizations and say, listen, the folks that the state of Missouri have empowered to ensure integrity in our elections is our secretary of state and our clerks, not some out of state left leaning organization yeah, uh, beyond our borders. That's just insanity. Right. What so, does it stand for one more time? The ele- Election Registration and Information Coalition. How many states are in that? Uh, that used to be 38 states, but now states people are, are rising up. They're yeah. rising up, and it's down to 30 right now. Okay, so states are leaving it in droves because they realize that the unfettered release of da- of private data on millions of yeah. their citizens is a terrible idea. Well, l- look no further than Jay Nixon. Yeah. Before you and I stepped foot in that building, mm-hmm. Jay Nixon misplaced all of that information, the private the information owners. on the yeah, gun owners. That's right. That's right. That, so, so we know we know that these things are not secured. Check your uh, your emails and sometimes, oh, did you shop at Target? Oh, there was a data breach. Yep. Your information's out there somewhere. Your information's out there, yep. What, what is the justification for staying in something like this? Is it just merely, hey, we don't want to do this job of cleaning up the voter rolls. We want to delegate that to someone else? You know, what's really frightening me, Nick, is... Six months ago, I had never even heard of Eric. Right. I didn't know we were a part of this. And and this is one of the things that uh, you talk about the benefit of the engagement of the grassroots. They brought this to my attention and we found out this was going on. We made some inquiries with the Secretary of State's office and found out that absolutely this is going on. Who knew? I mean, you remember when you and I, we fought back against some of the data releases under the pre- prescription drug monitoring program. Well, it's right. the same idea. It's the same idea. Why would we allow private data on millions of Missourians to be released outside our borders uh, that is uh, directly related to our elections. And it's just, it's very frustrating. And this is another reason. This came from a Republican, a Republican statewide office holder. Uh, and I think that that's, that is also, hmm. it's hurting our brand in this state. So we're going to, but 
Election integrity, that should be top of the list. Senate Bill 98, that's going to be, uh, that's going to be, we're going to be talking about that a whole bunch. So going back to Senate Bill 8, the mm-hmm. personal property repeal, mm-hmm. you and I heard it the past couple of years. You have these groups coming out saying, well, I want to get rid of it too. I don't like the tax either, but it's funding these vital resources. Right. What is your rebuttal to those individuals? So, so all of those groups that you're saying, what you really mean to say is all the taxing jurisdictions themselves, right? Absolutely. And so I, first, the first thing I would say is there has never been in the history of government support for tax cuts amongst the government agencies that are actually getting the money in the first place. There's never, that's never happened. All right. So I'm not stunned that all the people supporting or all the people opposed to eliminating personal property tax are the library district, the school districts, uh, the firefighters, anybody that's getting any of those resources are going to come out and tell you why it can't be done. Because if it is done, uh, all basic services in our society will come to a halt and collapse uh, almost instantaneously. (laughs) The way we've structured this bill, though, is that personal property tax will be phased out in the event that revenues elsewhere go up in the future. So if other revenues ever go up, then personal property tax are going to be ratcheted down in order to balance out the equation. So uh, it doesn't require any other taxes to go up. It just says that, hey, if revenues go up in the future, that personal property tax is going to go down. So you're going to hear a lot of folks come out and say, oh, my gosh, you're going to defund the schools. We literally, under my bill, can't actually see a drop in their revenues because the tax on personal property only comes goes down if and only if revenues elsewhere go up. So it's it's a it's a good way to do it. And as we're seeing with assessments on oh on everything, we we I, I feel pretty confident that other revenues, whether we do anything on personal property tax or not, are going to go up. So why don't we just see all those increases in revenues go towards a big tax cut on personal property? I agree. And now we have marijuana issue. Mm-hmm. We may have the uh, sports betting issue. We may yeah. have these video lottery terminals, these little booths that you can go into and uh, gas stations or, yeah. or fraternal organizations. Th- that's new revenue coming in. None of the problems we have in gov- government right now have to do with a lack of money, right? I mean, look at what look at our budget last year that that was passed in Jefferson City. It was the largest budget that we've ever passed ever. as a state ever. Like, not even close. Surpasses it. You and look in the charts, it, and it's like, this is a yes, grown man yes. over here. For real? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. We went from a $35 billion budget to a almost $49 billion budget in one year. In billion. one year. Billion. billion. Just the growth in our general revenues was $2 billion in last year alone. To put that in perspective for personal property, personal property collected on every vehicle and every boat and every trailer in the state, all over the state, is only about $1.4 billion. Mm. So, we actually had more growth last year than we took in total from personal property tax. So of all the different reasons to get rid of personal property tax, one of the, you know, the idea that there's not going to be enough money if we get rid of it is certainly not legitimate. So we've got, we've got plenty of money in all phases of government. And as you pointed out, Nick, we may have, we're probably going to have even more revenue coming in, whether it's, whether it's from uh, marijuana or additional uh, lottery systems, all of those things are available. But the people are sending too much cash to Jefferson City and their local government. That's what it comes well, down to. Look at, we look at some of the back. places that, that have our money already. MoDOT. The money that MoDOT gets, that goes nowhere. That's right. To these unfilled positions. Uh, elaborate a little bit on that and how much we could save if we crack down as the, the bureaucrats are not spending the money wisely. If right. we crack down on that, how much could we save? Well, great, great point. You know, we have a, a state workforce of about 55,000 people. A state similar to us in size, population, uh, give you an example, the state of Indiana, similar population size, they have half the number of employees that mm. we have in our state government. And of those 55,000 employees, 
at any given time, three to 5,000 of those positions are empty. And yet we appropriate the dollars for all of those empty positions. Where does that money go? Where does that money go? So from my perspective, if we just eliminated the empty positions in our government, that could save us 350 to $400 million hmm. every single year. So when somebody comes to me and says, you know what, in order to help our roads, we got to raise your gas tax. I'm thinking that is insane. If we would just go after all the waste that we have in our bloated Jefferson City government and do it with the super majorities of Republicans that people send to Jefferson City every single cycle, we could start to put ourselves in the same conversation as the Florida's and the Texas's and the Tennessee's of the country. Amen. Going into your last two years, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's kind of probably bittersweet. When mm-hmm. I looked at the clock and I'm like, well, I'm running for Senate. If I win, a lot more gray hairs. I'm going to be over there that's with right. Bill Igle. But uh, you know, if I lose, that's it. That's right. You're looking at that that clock. Um, I, I can assure listeners, you're not going to the House. No, you've got I'm explored- not going to the House. <laughs> <laughs> you've got an exploratory <laughs> committee right now, uh, and a lot of people in St. Charles County. Love you. They loved you. They love uh, Bob Onder. They want you to elevate and be that that common sense voice. Mm-hmm. What are you hearing out there in your exploratory? I don't even know how to. So it's 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 an exploratory committee for governor. Okay. So uh, there there's no there's no secret. Is here. it still? You know, is it a campaign, so to speak, or so we do events. In, in an exploratory camp committee uh, for governor or any other position? You do everything that a full up campaign does. You, okay. you go around the state, you fundraise, you get your message out, you talk about uh, what you would do in the event that you were in such a position. Uh, you just don't formally say. I'm definitely running for that position. Uh, So I've been going around uh, for the past couple months talking about this vision of a better Missouri, and we have gotten a fantastic uh, response on that so far. And I know know we're coming up for a break here, so I don't know if we want to jump into that now. Yeah, we can start that and then uh, actually get into why you're you're running, what your vision is. Yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you, uh, for me, you know, we've had, as we've gone around, we we give people, we we put the question in front of them, how how happy are you? with your super majorities of Republicans in Jefferson City. And in every part of the state I've been to, from Joplin- The Democrats are probably to, happy. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah exactly. The, to, from Joplin to Kansas City to Cape Girardeau to St. Charles County, the answer to that question amongst Republicans is a lot of frustration and disappointment. Yeah. They want us to do the big red ideas in the big red states that they're seeing being done in Texas, that they're seeing being done in Florida, and they can't answer the question of why aren't they happening here? And so when I come in the door and I talk about, you should absolutely expect all those big red ideas to be happening here. Protection of your rights as it relates to vaccine mandates, pushing back on the COVID environment, cutting your taxes, going after public schools that are teaching our children to hate their country, uh, that are teaching their children uh, to hate each other, that are pushing the transgender uh, uh, issue onto our kids. We're going to fix that and protect our kids. That kind of message gets people excited because they've been begging for that for Amen. years. Every two years, they elect with a mandate to go down to Jefferson City and do those things. And we fail to do that. I mean, look at last session. I mean, we 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 were unable to even pass a 7-1 map to send another Republican to Washington, D.C. And you saw DC. how tight those numbers look, were. How, yeah, for the, the two or three days that Republicans in D.C. were stuck at 217 seats yep. in the aftermath of the election, I'm thinking to myself, how are every one of those Republicans that voted against a 7-1 map feeling it right now? This is Nick Schroer, Stand and Fight, SR1, News Talk STL. We will be right back. Victor Boot. Uh, in, in my eyes, um, is one of the most dangerous men on the face of the earth. On the face of the earth. Without a doubt. 
Mike Braun, the former chief of operations for the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, told us Boot first exploded on the scene in war-torn West Africa in the late 1980s. Elevating bloody conflicts from machetes and single-shot rifles to... AK-47s, not by the thousands, but by the tens of thousands. So he weaponizes civil war in Africa. He mm. transformed these young adolescent warriors into uh, insidious, mindless, maniacally driven killing machines that operated with assembly line efficiencies. The Merchant of Death is back right. on the loose. This is round three, Nick Schroer's standing fight with Bill Eigel, Phil Valencia, and we're going to start with that topic ticked me off I, I could say other words but I don't know if the FCC would boot me off of here uh, 2014 we saw Bo Bergdahl a guy who Ugh. who just abandoned said hey screw you guys I'm, not, I'm no longer going to be part of the army abandons we trade five Taliban leaders five of the top brass in a terrorist organization when Obama and Biden negotiated with the terrorists we say all the time we, we don't negotiate with terrorists well they did they gave them their five top leaders for Bo Bergdahl, who abandoned us, he came back here. He was a deserter. Yep. He was tried for desertion. He was kicked out. And that's the guy that we gave all these enemies to. Now, fast forward to uh, when when Biden was pulling out our troops from Afghanistan. Do you know who one of the ringleaders in causing the death of 13 of our service members was? One of the Taliban five. Ugh. Now you go fast forward to Brittany Griner. Brittany Griner knowingly takes... A product, um, which now in Missouri would be legal, right. takes a product into a country she knows is totally different. The culture is totally different. The laws are totally different. They treat people in a different way. They punish them in a different way. Correct. Knowingly breaks the law, is locked up. Now she's begging a country that she says she hates. That's she's right. begging a country that she refuses to stand for the service members. When that flag is raised, she refuses to acknowledge the sacrifices that our service members have made. Maybe that's changed because we just traded the merchant of death. Someone that 60 Minutes has said is the most dangerous person in the world mm -hmm. for Brittany Griner. Yeah. What I mean, this is so, Nick, this is a uh, indictment once again of the Biden administration. And it's a reflection of how far we have fallen in terms of global standing that we have to make a trade in order to get back uh, one citizen of ours. Uh, we had to trade one of the most dangerous criminals uh, to ever be apprehended in, in world history. So this guy uh, is going to go out there and do a tremendous amount of harm. And there's a very good chance he's going to end up uh, his actions are going to end up killing more Americans in the future. And so the fact that we had to trade someone uh, so dangerous in order to get back one of our citizens is a reflection of the degradation of American influence mm. under the Biden administration, under the Obama administration before that. So uh, this is uh, this is a sad day. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm thrilled anytime an American comes Amen. home. Yeah. That, that's great. But the, <clears throat> the, when the cost has to be that high, that is uh, a real that, that's a bad day for America. That's a bad day for America. And if we don't, uh, it, it, you know, the things that lead to outcomes like we saw like this, what happened in Afghanistan, the embarrassment and humiliation that American diplomacy suffered. So again, looking towards 2024, we as a country have a decision to make because we have to decide if this is the kind of results, these are the kind of outcomes that we want to see in our foreign policy, in our diplomacy. Do we want to see a continual uh destruction 
of American influence overseas. Because if we continue to let that happen, the conflicts we're seeing unfolding and erupting around the world, they're going to reach our shores as well. Uh, we've got to stand against that. We've got to be, we have been called to be a leader for the planet. Right. Uh, so, you know, for us here in Missouri, obviously that's going to start with a few decisions we got to make here in our state. But you know what? We're one of these United States and we can't let that continue with the Biden administration. So a, a government under a Governor Eigel. Let's let's picture that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Rainbows, mm-hmm. butterflies, people in powdered wigs walking around <laughs> drinking bourbon. How would you how would you strengthen the Tenth Amendment? How would you stand up against the federal government when it comes to things like uh our porous border. We're yeah. seeing that all of these non-government agencies are shipping <clears throat> these people into our state and to other states. Right. How would you stand up against uh, the federal government like a Ron DeSantis has? Well, I'll tell you that the biggest threat to state sovereignty here in the show me state is our reliance on federal dollars in our state budget. So right now, Missouri is the number one state in the union, number one out of 50 states Mm. in terms of dependence on the federal dollars coming out of Washington, D.C. to meet our budgetary obligations. Fifty percent of our budget. See, I learned something. I didn't even know that. Fifty percent of our budget comes from Washington, (laughs) D.C. That's the highest percentage of any state in the union. California. The first thing that a governor would do that ought to be doing. That's certainly the first thing that a governor Igle would would do is going to we're going to take a hard look and begin reducing the percentage of our budget that we get from the federal government. And so if we want to be able to push back on the other big, disastrous, inefficient programs we have in state government like Medicaid, we've got to reduce our reliance on the federal government. In fact, if you look back at the late 1990s before Republicans got into office, I mean, we had our percentage of of dollars coming from D.C. was closer to 20 percent, 15, 20 percent. And so we as Republicans have really gotten away from our our principles of fiscal conservatism, our belief in the 10th Amendment. And that has led to an environment where it's hard for us to do anything now. It's hard for us to do anything because we're so terrified of losing federal dollars that we can't maneuver as a state. So that's the first thing we got to do. When you go out and talk to voters, and I'm not talking like the educated grassroots people that are nerds like us, Mm -hmm. policy nerds, political nerds. When you go and talk door to door and you mention the 10th Amendment, do you have a sense that the the majority of Missourians, that Americans know what the 10th Amendment is? Uh, I I get the sense that they understand that the more the federal government is involved in our day-to-day lives, that the worse it is for us. And there's a there's a general uh, understanding and belief that the more we push back on those guys and gals in D.C. that are doing bad things, regardless of what party they're from, the better it is for the people back in the show me state. So uh, they understand that they've got more government involved uh, in their lives than ever before. And a big part of that are the problems come out of Washington, D.C. So mm. they are desperate to have that that fighter, that person that's willing to stand in the gap, just like Ron DeSantis does down there in Florida. They want that here in the state of Missouri. And don't get me wrong, Nick. I love Florida. It's great. Beautiful. I love Ron DeSantis. I think he's great. But it's not Missouri. But it's not Missouri. I want to turn on the TV and hear about all the great things we're doing in Missouri. And there's no reason. As you said, we send more Republicans to Jefferson City than Floridians send to Tallahassee. There's no reason we can't do all those big red ideas except for failures amongst the elected officials themselves. Maybe it's the orange juice down there. Maybe we just need to have orange. <laughs> more Flor- vitamin C. Yeah, more instead, vitamin instead C. of the coffee at the Capitol, we're just going to have <laughs> orange juice everywhere. So let's uh, let's get get a little bit into the weeds. What is, and this is what I think I'm going to start doing with the different candidates that come on mm-hmm. to get to know you better. I think there are three things when people talk about music and this, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite band. If you had to listen to one band for the rest of your life, can be any genre. 
For for me, I mean, I would, that's I'd, a tough question. You know what? I'd pick. Uh, gosh, I mean, I how about can I give you a top three? Let's get let's do it. All right, I I like I, I like Ozzy Osbourne. So a little bit of classic rock. Can you uh, get Black Sabbath in there too? Yeah, you get a little Black Sabbath, but I like Ozzy Osbourne. Okay. I like um, I like Pink Floyd. So when I was growing up, you know, I'd listen to a lot of Pink yeah. Floyd myself. And then somebody, uh, you know, late '90s uh, that was a lot more popular, Matchbox Twenty. I'm Rob glad Thomas. you didn't say. I'm glad you didn't say Alanis Morissette. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like no. to chill out with the land. I was no. waiting for the Nickelback. No, bomb, no, but, no. Uh, but, no, uh, no Nickelback. <laughs> I no, that Nickelback. Nickelback is back. Have you have you heard about it? No. So Metallica's got a new album coming out, and Metallica Metallica's got a new album dropping. Their their song, I forget Lux Eterna. Um, it's a pretty pretty good one. Okay. And they're right. getting up there in age. Right. And I'm like, all right, what are they gonna? Is it gonna be a little bit more laid back? No, it, it hits hard. Um, but I think Nickelback. From what I've been told, is back, and I'm not going to be one to rush out there and get their album. All right, favorite movie <laughs> or top three? Okay, so um, when when it comes to movies, I'm a sci-fi guy. Okay, I am I am a I am a dedicated sci-fi fan. So greatest sci-fi movies of all time, Aliens. Uh, remember, Most remember definitely. Sigourney Weaver, oh, Aliens, R- one of Ridley the great, Scott. great yeah. movie, mm-hmm. great sci-fi movies oh. of all time. Uh, I would say Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you remember, you know, the original Star yeah. Trek. That so that greatest, one of the greatest movies of all time. And actually, believe it or not, what I think one of the great uh, sci-fi stories that has analogies for our society today, the first Matrix movie. Oh, absolutely! Oh, yeah, absolutely. Matrix. What about Matrix. Spaceballs? Oh yes, I love when space. the yes. alien comes out and starts dancing. Yeah, he starts dancing. He puts a hat on and yeah. he like dances. Hello, my darling. Hello, oh, my baby. You know what? I'm going to put a special plug in, a special mention. It's not a, it's not a movie, but it's right there in the sci-fi genre, the television series Andor from Star Wars. Mm, okay. If you guys haven't seen, wow, you, Andor, you are a tech nerd. I'm going to tell you what. You do. I'm going like to tell you what. That is the Andor mm-hmm. TV show is the best Star Wars story since Disney episode, Plus. Since Disney Plus. Since The Empire Strikes Back. Andor. Andor. Is that the guy that looks like Paul McCartney? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Diego Luna. Yes. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I saw I saw a commercial never, the other day. I've never heard that kid. I've never heard that comparison, but I, yeah, it does kind of work. The, it? the guy walks by in the commercial. He's like a young Paul, Paul, Paul McCartney. And that's what I was. I thought it was going to be like a, a Beatles <laughs> bio flick. And no, he's talking to an alien all of a sudden. I, so the uh, favorite book. This is going to tell me a lot about. A, a Governor Eigel, a Senator Eigel, favorite book. Um, I have read so many books. You know what? I'm going to give you a genre. Yeah. I'm going to give you a genre. I, I I like alternate military history. Oh, okay. So uh, I read uh, uh, Tom Clancy novels. Uh, I read, I, and actually there's a lot of, of, of smaller authors uh, that are less well-known that read uh, a lot about uh, alter, alternative history of the Cold War, how it turned out. So I'm big into uh, alternate military history, near-term military history. Now, do you think that that helps you um, when it comes to governing, when it help, when it comes to negotiating with I don't Democrats, know, because it's always about war. It's always about war in those books. I don't know if that's a good analogy. <laughs> don't, I don't start know. a war, please. Don't start Well, we don't war. want to start a war. We don't want to start a war. We want Maybe to it's giving peace. me ideas how to how to avoid those yes, wars, peace right? Peace through strength. Peace through strength, yes. So speaking of war, we've seen uh, the, the energy grid across the United States has been attacked. Mm. Um, there's an article that came out here recently stating that they these grid attacks, which they weren't sure if, if they were targeted or not. Yes, they are. Uh, article right here in The Guardian indicates that attacks on Pacific Northwest power stations raise fears for the U.S. electric grid. Yeah. Now, Bill, we, we've seen in... California, the, the 
instituting this thing that, okay, we're only going to have electric vehicles after a certain year. Right. Biden's come out saying the same thing. Does this terrify you that there are yes. these attacks popping up? And what could you do? What could we do to make sure that this this Green New Deal and all that crap does not come to Missouri? Oh, great, great question. So uh, as a background to this, Missouri is a net importer of electricity. So if if we if the grid nationally starts to collapse, mm-hmm. we're going to be in a real bad position as far as uh, the the output of electricity, because we're going to be relying on states like Illinois or Iowa or Kansas to send us all the electricity w- that we need. So the first thing we need to do if we want to achieve energy independence for our state is expand our output for electricity. I'm a big fan of nuclear energy. You know, we have one uh, nuclear power plant uh, down in uh, Fulton, mm-hmm. uh, the Callaway uh, uh, the Callaway power plant, but that only produces about 10% of our electricity that we use statewide. So all those surpluses we're hearing about down in Jefferson City, I'd like to make an investment and pave the way for additional nuclear reactors in the state of Missouri. In fact, I'm going to be, you, you, I don't know if you meant to do this, but I'm actually going to be filing legislation here in the next couple of weeks that would uh, that would open that door to the, the installation and uh, the, uh, the creation of some additional nuclear capacity in the state of Missouri. So I'd also like to invest in, uh, you know, we have a huge vulnerability with uh, for EMP dangers. Yes. Uh, which could absolutely wipe out uh, a vast portion of our distribution grid. I would love to be able to make an investment and have resources stored within the state of Missouri that could respond uh, and replace any facilities or substations that are damaged anywhere around the state if those uh, eventualities come to come to come to pass. So there's a lot of things that I think we need to do, but energy independence, that's a big one. Yeah. Well, what can we do uh, if we want to support Senator Eigel? What can we do if we want to learn more about the the exploratory committee yeah. for governor? Yeah, great question. Great. Man, this might be my favorite question, right? The whole morning. Uh, let's go mo.org. You know, I'm always talking about, hey, we want whether we want energy independence or or lower taxes, let's go Missouri. So we've created a website based on that idea. Let's go mo.org. Uh, if you go to that website, my my platform's on there. If you like what you see, you can find about, about where I'm going to be at upcoming events. You can find out uh, how you can support me. You can sign up to be a part of the infrastructure. We've had. Can you donate? You can. Oh, hold on. You're, you're, hold on. You're stealing okay, my thunder. Okay. You're, you're stealing my thunder. <laughs> Just in the past 30 days, Nick, we've had 2,000 Missourians sign up on that website. 2,000. So uh, there is a tremendous amount of energy that's already starting to go into this. The word is spreading. And just yesterday, we now have a donate button on awesome. there because everything, you know, how politics, every every little bit helps. And it helps get helps us get our message out further. So go to letsgomo.org and sign up to be a part of the effort. Let's go, Mo. Let's go, Bill. Let's go, out of this round third round is <laughs> done and over with but we love you keep standing keep fighting we'll be here next sunday and if anything pops up we're going to be bringing bill back on this year to cover everything happening in the missouri legislature the missouri senate and to get updates if he's going to be our next governor god bless you all have a great week stay conservative is S-R-1.